Dude, I got some fucking banana bread at work today, dude. How? All right, well, new episode. Got some interesting things to, uh, to, I don't know, talk shit about. I mean, the world is just going so crazy. I mean, this the, the first thing that uh, my friend Grace sent to me, I had her on the podcast uh, last week. Um, she sent me this article uh, titled, Man Arrested for Tranquilizing and Raping Alligators. Now, this has got to be fake. Uh, but I don't like to think that way. I like to believe in things. And so, especially when it's this crazy. I mean, a Florida man has been arrested after authorities report he was tranquilizing alligators in the Everglades and then raping them. I mean, you know, that's, it's a very ballsy move. I mean, it's a very, uh, it's a tough thing to do. So, you know, if that's going on out there, I mean... Jeez, you're bored. You're bored or um, you're bored. That's, that's it. That's about it. I feel like that's the only thing you could really, uh, expl- that's the only way you can kind of explain that away. Maybe, I don't know. Just, I mean, how do you do that? You're, you know, you're, you're tranquilizing alligators. I mean, it is, I mean, you got to have, like, you got to get your rocks off because, I mean, that's, that's like super anxiety ridden, you know. You're you're freaking tranquilizing an alligator, which is so dangerous. I mean, not only could you have your genitalia ripped off, you could have your arms and legs ripped off. I mean, you could be eaten alive slowly. I mean, there's a lot that could go wrong here, and uh, this guy is like. Yeah, but that's what gets me hard. That gets me uh, super aroused. And uh, that's just how I roll. You know, you got your thing and I got my thing. And, you know, let me be me. Let me be me on MTV. You know, this is, that was, you know, he grew up with that song. You know, at some point in his life, he heard that Eminem song and he was like, you know what, that's, I feel you, Eminem. I feel like I'm on the uh, the outskirts of society as well, and uh, I resonate with that that song that you just made a hit. And um, you know what? I appreciate it. It's like it's like um, it's like when uh, political when politicians run uh, for president or for uh, for any office, especially president, they'll have a um, a song that they go out to, like, uh, to their rallies, a rally song, you know, and, and they'll play it, you know, and every year, it seems, that, I guess it was just with Trump, but, like, he chose songs, and, uh, to play, and then the, the artists who wrote those songs was like, ah, you know, I don't support him, you know, and, and uh, I guess they can sue. I mean, I guess you can sue a, po- a politician for using your song, maybe. I don't know, at a rally. I don't, I feel like you can't. I, I'm not sure. I really don't want to look into it. But 
it is hilarious to me that you write a song and it's so uh, so resonating to everyone that people who believe the complete opposite of you still feel like it was written for them. You know, I mean, that's kind of ironic. You know, you put you put all of yourself into it. I mean, you know, there was probably a song that Adolf Hitler kind of made his, you know, his thing. And then, you know, when he was doing campaigns and speeches, he would go out to this one song and get the orchestra to play it or, you know, put it on the old, uh, you know, what is it? Vinyl, put the vinyl record on. I think they had vinyl records. They had to have had vinyl records back then. And, uh, you know, you, you play that when you go out. And, um, you know, that orchestrator, that maestro, that uh, singer-songwriter, eh, might have been a little bit uh, perturbed. But the thing is with that is you don't want to talk you don't want to speak against old Mr. Adolph. He had a way of, uh, you know, rooting you out or, you know, getting you out of the way. Uh, killing you. Yeah, that's what he did. Um, so, you know, I feel like I feel like artists in America are too ballsy now. You know, like, if a politician wants your song, you... It's better that you just be like, you know what, I, I appreciate him, you know enjoy my song, I write this for everybody, you got to play apolitical, you know, because let's say that um, worst case scenario, our democracy turns into an authoritarian regime, (laughs) which, I mean, you don't have to like really become too uh, fictitious in your thinking to imagine that because it's very, very much on display right now. Uh, and, and and a lot of people thought that was like with Trump, like oh my God, so he's so authoritative. Got it. All right, cool. Um, and they don't see it now. But you know, it could you know, politics can can you know change drastically. Or governments can shift, and then all of a sudden, you know, you got you got a guy in office who's you know become a little dictator, and. Uh, Maybe he changes the uh, the laws to where, you know, you can run for longer than, you know, eight years, you know, two terms. Um, so, and then and then you're the one that protested about him using your, hit your song and his rallies. Dude, dude, not a smart move, man. You got to play chess. Stop playing checkers. <laughs> like, I'm going to talk shit about people, but... I'm going to also be like, you know what? I wouldn't mind sitting down and talking to you, having a conversation with you, see how that goes, you know? We might be the same, you and I, you know? Just from different places. And maybe we should maybe we should talk. Maybe maybe we will connect on on more than uh you know, one idea or whatever. But, you know what? I also don't want to die. So, I'll find some type of common ground. You know, like I, I feel like people, people think they're they're too badass in America because you don't really have to stand up to too much. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to stand up to uh, 
to like the government secretly ushering you away and no one seeing you ever again all the time. You know what I mean? Like that that still happens, I think, in some way, shape, or form. I mean, Epstein kind of saw what, you know, the wrong side of uh, that whole situation looks like. But we don't have to really worry about it. You know, we have free speech and we can talk shit. And, and you know, especially now, like, you know, with with everything um, so political, the, the left, I mean, is just so, so emboldened to say whatever they want. Um, with, without, and, and, and this happens on the right too. It's like, everybody is like talking shit in a way that like doesn't really make friends with the other side. You know, it's weird. It's weird. Um, it's like you don't, you don't have friends that, that think differently than you. And that's kind of like a little strange. You know, I, it's a little strange. Come on. I mean, that's that really lets you know like what type of person you are, you know. When someone that views things differently than you uh, doesn't feel like you care about them enough to, you know, to talk to them or be friends with them, yeah, you might need to switch your switch your style up a little bit. That's why, like, people who tranquilize and, and you know sexually assault alligators are definitely going to be my friend because I'm not going to be another alligator. I'm not going to... Why would you do that? You know what I mean? Like, you put a big target on your back when you go out protesting against guys who tranquilize and rape alligators. All the guys on... All the guys that are, you know, part of this tranquilizing alligators club on Facebook that aren't really vocal... Don't put out any uh, YouTube videos about it on how-tos or anything. They're watching you protest, and they're like, huh, he's trying to keep me from doing what I want to do. I got something for him. We'll see. We'll see what we do with him. I don't want to be on the on the other end of that. That's not that's not cool. Anyways, that's um those are just those are just ways of going about life that I will teach you. That's one way. I am a teacher of wisdom, and I am here to enlighten. <laughs> oh my goodness, life is funny. Let's let's see this. Okay, so J.K. Rowling, she's back in the news. You know, if you, if you don't know what's going on with her, the trans community hates her. That's about it. New article uh, came out today, I believe. So much for gratitude. The Harry Potter stars and Hollywood studio who owe their fortunes to J.K. Rowling's genius have turned on her. But like her refusal to be cowed by trans extremists, she's not taking their attempt to cancel her laying down, lying down. All right, cool. On a chilly November night in 2001, the film Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone premiered in London. Wow, this is a uh, great part. Great prose. Author J.K. Rowling walked the red carpet with her Harry Potter, Harry Potter actor Daniel Radcliffe, and noticed that the twelve-year-old was trembling. She put her arms around the youngster to try to reassure him that he was going to be all right. My, how the tables have turned! 
Rowling56 recreated the boy wizard and has ruled over every aspect of his fictional life, not to mention his financial exploitation in films on stage and in theme parks. The total worth of the Harry Potter empire today is is estimated to be 180 euro billion euros. That's uh, it's still a lot. It's, uh, it's, uh, I don't even know how to uh, comprehend that. But she has now been repudiated by Ratcliffe and the other young actors whom she turned into rich beyond dreamed dreams stars. Uh, all for daring to cha- all for daring to challenge the hardline dogma of trans activists who insist biological sex does not exist. It's a uh, it's a tough world out there. Setting up for uh, crazy ideas like this. <laughs> Uh, in fact, what in the hell? I got a, uh, I've got an ad it just popped up, and I can't, uh, can't get this shit out of the way. Okay, back to the, uh, back to the article. But she has now been reputed by everyone turned to rich beyond. Okay, cool. In fact, so universal is the condemnation of Rowling, who has been cast into cinematic Siberia. Oh, wow. That even Warner Brothers, which owns the rights to all eight Harry Potter mo- films, is doing its best to distance themselves from her. All right, good good job not getting her next book deal. Idiots. 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 Good God, guys. Not only has she been ostracized from the original cast line, this is, look, you're separating yourself from her. It's just like these guys, the, you know, the the guy who tranquilizes and rapes alligators. You gotta make, you gotta keep people your friends. Man, I had a teacher in middle school. He said, "Always take care of your nerds," and that hit home to me. I was always nice to everybody, but that made sense. That solidified things. You know, he said, "Always take care of your nerds. You need to study. You need to succeed in class." Take care of them. Be nice to them. Buy them things. Help them. You know? Because they'll help you. Mutual mutual respect there. Jeez. Don't you don't you want to be the the company, the, the film production company that does that produces her next books in the film? Like whatever she writes, those books turned into film will be very lucrative. Duh. Come on. Don't be that eh. This, this is so silly. People are silly. Not only has she been ostracized from the original cast lineup for the televised reunion to mark the 20th anniversary of the first film, but in the newly released trailer for the upcoming Fantastic Beasts, Beasts film, another book that she wrote, Rowling's prequels to Harry Potter, her writing credit is so small you could easily blink and miss it. Both moves have been widely interpreted as a deliberate act of downplaying Rowling's involvement to bid in a bid to keep the brand palatable. Oh, mm. it's got to be palatable for the gen- the next generation of Harry Potter fans. I'm going to read this uh, the rest of this article in an accent. But therein lies the problem. How do you ma- how do you magic away the goose who lays the golden egg? Not even Hogwarts has a spell for that. For although Rowling worth eight hundred and twenty million euros, <laughs> good God. Good God, man. Now finds herself cast as a modern-day witch for her views, which are shared by millions. Ah, see what they say? Ah, a witch. Ah, she wrote Wizards. Ah, got it. She still has almost absolute creative control over all things Potter. Therefore, the ability of Warner Brothers to continue to make billions from the brand still rests in her hands. 
No wonder one source this week described Rowling's presence as the heart of the Potter Empire as an unexploded bomb. And as any bomb disposal expert will tell you, delicate handling is essential. The decision not to invite Rowling to the 20th anniversary reunion of the film is thought to have been made by Warner Brothers producer Casey Patterson. Okay, that's not a good move, Casey. She put the special together for HBO, who have had the streaming rights to the Potter film since September and have poured a fortune into creating a televisual event to drive viewers. Getting the young stars on board was key as, despite massive fan pressure, they haven't been seen altogether since the premiere of the last film in 2011. A former talent booker at MTV, Patterson is well known for producing awards shows and originated a talk show with Sharon Osbourne, who is a friend. She also produced the Vax Live event earlier this year at which Prince Harry and Meghan appeared. But although Rowling will not appear alongside the original cast in the show, which will go out on New Year's Day, she has not and cannot be airbrushed completely. Asked about the anniversary plans, Rowling's publicist, Mark Hutchison, told me this week, Joe isn't commenting at the moment, but on the 20th anniversary retrospective, she will be included via archive material with the approval of her team. Note the phrase, with the approval of her team, Warner Brothers have to seek consent from Rowling's agent, Neil Blair, and her team of lawyers for every move they make. In a familiar in a similar fashion, the trailer for Fantastic Beast, The Secrets of Dumbledore, which Rowling helped to write, was notable for downplaying the author. The two-minute trailer released this week opens Warner Brothers invites you and only mentions Rowling in small print in a publishing rights note at the end. This fulfills a legal requirement they cannot air the trailer without it or erase her from the brand, however much it might suit them to do so. Now, as they were also reminded this week, can they silence their views? With the timing that would derail most PR campaigns, Rowling returned to the Twitter fray, criticizing police rules in Scotland which allow rape suspects to self-identify as women. In a nod to the doublespeak of Orwell's dystopian novel 1984, she wrote, War is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength, the penist individual who rapes you is a woman. Haha. She is then a woman who not only will not loosen her grip on her empire, but one who won't observe a convenient silence. Leslie Goldberg of the New York Reporter confirms the Harry Potter franchise's complicated rights issues. Rowling controls the franchise and has a say in everything involving the property. This presents continued headaches for Warner Brothers, who bought the rights to Potter for a reputed $250 million in 2013. Wow. They bought the rights for $250 million. It now emerges they want to make a live-action Hogwarts TV series with a $10 million per episode budget. See, I, I always said this was the best move for Harry Potter. If they ever redid it, they should do the whole book series in TV series format because there's so much there. It'd be way better than Game of Thrones. In January this year, they quietly started casting about for writers and concepts for the show, which was stream on its TV affiliate HBO. It could go into production as early as next year. Meanwhile, for the two Fantastic Beasts, the films are planned in the film of the stage play Cursed Child, Rowling's story of what happens when Harry and Hermione grow up is also in development. As ever in this world, riches are in prospect. The, the Potter films have globally taken more than $7 billion at the cinema, and they continue to make millions from streaming. In the world of intellectual property, Harry Potter is a megastar. Forbes Business Magazine, Scott Mendelson comments, Warner Brothers wants 
to stay in the J.K. Rowling business. It still profits from those groundbreakingly huge Harry Potter movies, the first of which snagged $27 million in China just this year. $27 million. As, so, as do the youngsters she plucked from nowhere and turned into st- staggeringly rich household names. Rowling, who was consulted over every aspect of the eight films, gave the nod to the initial director, Christopher Columbus, and had the right to approve every actor, which she did. She wept when she saw Radcliffe's screen test because he was exactly the son she had in mind. Damn. She spent months on set helping the cast and the director to bring her vision to life. By the time the final films were sh- being shot, her role was such that she was even credited as credited as an executive producer. Plaudits that will continue to be diminished, all because Rowling stepped into the toxic world of trans dogma. Little did she imagine that she took on that when she took on when she took to Twitter in June 2020 to take issue with the phrase people who menstruate to furrer furrer that would follow. <laughs> I erased that last sentence I spoke because it made no sense to me and I know I didn't speak it correctly. <laughs> But this is crazy. It's funny. It's funny because, you know, you, you the way I was raised, um, even if you disagree with people who have brought you to where you're at, you don't disrespect them because of what they did for you. You know, and then and you know what? Maybe maybe I had done that as a kid. Maybe maybe I did that. Um. Uh, but like as you grow up like you've got adults in your life that that tell you don't don't let this go any further like remember what they did do for you and then move on you know don't now you don't have to you know agree with everything that they do and, and stuff like that but like casting them out you know like making them an outcast ostracizing them uh, just to save face? Nah. Nah, I got a lot of friends uh, that every friend, I, I feel like, disagrees with me on a lot of things. But I don't cast them out because I think that every person is created in the image of their creator. I think <laughs> so you know it, and when you when you don't really when you don't really think of it that way, right? You know, when you're only doing when you don't really understand the go- the golden rule, right? Then this is what happens. And it's not healthy. It's not healthy at all because like now now it just creates more more stigma towards something and then more um, more tension and then each side becomes more militaristic and ready to die for whatever they you know whatever that it is that they believe instead of instead of having a conversation good job guys Good job, Warner Brothers. You, you awesome. All right, next article. Selling Sunset Star, Chriselle Stouse, I think that's how you pronounce her name, declares love is about chemistry, not height, as she weighs in on dating shorter men amid Jason Oppenheim romance. So apparently, 
the 40-year-old who was taller than her boss turned boyfriend, Jason Oppenheim, added that the focus on stature is ridiculous in this day and age. This day and age? Okay. Cool. I mean, I... I mean, I appreciate her, you know, saying that. But the fact that she's got to say that, you know, it's 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 so funny when, like, when the truth comes out about, like, what the sexes are into. You know what I mean? Like Roger Federer, when his wife is way thicker than him. And I think somebody asked him, like, you know, what, uh, well, you know, she's not a model, you know. You know, people wonder why you're with her. And he's, he's like, I just like, I like thick women. Like, I like, and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, yeah. It's like, dude, just let the guy like what he likes. You know? Women. Women who like taller guys. It's just, it's like, I can understand why you would like a taller guy if you think that, like, it's for, like, protection or something like that. But, like, I know guys shorter than me that would beat the shit out of 90% of people bigger than me. So, you know. I mean, it just, it, it kind of lets you know, like, what women actually don't know about men. Because it's always tall guys who, like, have more confidence. And, you know, it's probably based in, you know, fake, it's fake confidence. But it's like taller guys have that because I think at the end of the day, I know a lot of tall guys who think that, who who've never wrestled or been a part of like combat sports, always think that they could they can beat up somebody who's smaller than them just because they're bigger than them. Like that's that's the, the their limit to what they understand about uh, physical confrontation. It's funny. It's interesting. Uh, but it's like you always gotta you always gotta check those guys. You know that's all my all my issues, all the fights I get into, seem to be with taller guys. Because they 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 think one thing that ain't true when it comes to me. And I'm just the last guy to be like accepting of that. That's just one thing I don't and I, you know what? I, I just don't like it's like when people like start making fun of religion. Like I don't care what your religion is or if you're anti religious. When you start making fun of it, I understand that you don't understand the history of it. You don't have to agree with it, but you don't understand the history of it. You know what I mean? Uh, it's like it's like when people it's like when a vegan starts making fun of people who like to eat meat, or like disrespecting people who eat meat. It's like, do you know what we are? Do you know that we are uh, mammals? Do you? Do you know the history of like how we've, you know, gone from Neanderthal to where we're at now? You know that? Are you aware at, at any of this? So anyways, back to the article. Her comments came after she was asked about the recent exchange between Tom Holland and Zendaya. I think that's how you pronounce her name. During an interview on the radio where they discussed the actress being taller than the actor. Oh my God, it's so ridiculous. What year are we in right now? How old are we? She told TMZ on Friday. 
the reality personality or television personality then expressed that she valued a potential partner's personality much more than their height. Oh my God, it's shocking. Jesus. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. I just think it's more about what's inside. This is highly controversial, okay? Don't you dare talk about someone's insides. Staus added, I do not think some people have their preferences, but I think it's silly. I do think some people have their preferences, but I think it's silly. It's so ridiculous. Cool. The real estate agent made a point of expressing that a potential partner's behavior was a better indicator of an ideal match than height. Wow. Wow, that's some uh that's a little bit of wisdom. <laughs> People will be shocked. I honestly think that the height thing is so ridiculous. I just think it doesn't matter. It's about how they treat you and if you guys have chemistry. The media personality went on to express that I think the height thing is overdone. Stas was then asked about women who would not want to date shorter partners, and she stated, that's their prerogative, but they're missing out. Cool, you know. God defend your choices. Stiles was then asked about women who... Yeah, the the performer in Oppenheim 44 initially met when, when she joined his real estate brokerage, the Oppenheim Group. Prior to becoming involved with the entrepreneur, the actress was married to Justin Hartley, Oh, shit, with whom she tied the knot in 2017. Justin? The Green Arrow from Smallville? Dude, this is messed up. The two went on to separate two years after they held their wedding ceremony, and they finalized their (laughs) their divorce this past February. Stiles and Oppenheim's relation was entirely professional at first, and he notably told Page Six that dating a co-star probably wouldn't be an epic idea. The two went on... To shock many of their fans when they went Instagram official this past July, the actress spoke about the early stages of her relationship with Oppenheim during an interview with E's Daily Pot, where she noted that she wanted to maintain their privacy at first. Okay, cool. Wow. Very fascinating. It's just one of those things. You don't want to share with everybody and get all their opinions before you really know what it is. Stouse recalled that she and her boyfriend kept their relationship away from the public as long as they could have before going public. We really, we really, we really were really private. and <laughs> secretive for as long as we could until we realized the walls were closing in. <gasps> People were getting a little savvy to it. The actress then expressed that she and Oppenheimer made their relationship known after having become comfortable with their statuses as public figures. We made it to a point where we're where we're really happy to share it because we knew exactly what it was, so it's all good. Okay, so now with context, I get it. She was she married Justin Hartley. Here's the thing. This is the truth about Justin Hartley. Nobody will ever tell you this because this is my, my personal interaction with Justin Hartley. I was in Ralph's. I had just moved here. I had just moved to L.A. I was living in Studio City. I was sleeping on the couch with some guys from film school, and um, would, that was a crazy thing. That was a crazy Three months. But anyways, I go into Ralph's, and I look up, and I see this tall-ass dude walking towards me, dressed to the night. I mean, just looked like he just walked out of a, uh, a photo shoot for GQ and uh, the fall edition. I think he had a, like a turtleneck sweater on, jeans, and boots. Uh, and I was like, oh, shit. He's tall as fuck. That's Justin Hartley. And uh, 
yeah, I mean, we we didn't say anything to each other. Um, but dude, the guy is tall. So now it makes sense. Now it makes sense uh, that this is a, a thing, I guess, because he was so tall. But these guys, I mean, they, you know, who knows how, I feel like LA, LA, you know, what is it, permeates through people in LA, like the Hollywood, Hollywood permeates through people and it, you know, it kind of erodes people's personality and character and, you know, you see kind of like, you know, there's the side of them that you wouldn't have seen if they didn't live in LA, um, maybe. But uh, so who knows if, you know, these Oppenheim guys are, you know, less L.A. than an L.A. actor. But you could probably assume that, right? Um, so it seems like uh, that's what's going on. It's crazy that I'm even talking about this. I don't give a, I don't give a shit. But women who date taller guys... That is a that is a strange thing, you know. But guys, guys don't date. Guys don't date too many taller women. If the guy is over five, if the guy's over five ten, probably. I feel like that's the thing. Let's see who. Uh, let's see how tall Jason. Oppenheim is. If I'm right, <laughs> first thing height comes up. He's five three. Oh, okay, got it. He's five three. Chriselle Staus is five six. Well, I was right. He's not over 5'10", so he's dating someone taller. That makes sense. She's 5'7". Justin Hartley is 6'2". And in heels, I can tell you, he's 6'7". Okay? He's a staggering 6'7". Now, I've worked out at the gym with like around him before, and he's not as tall. But when he's got boots on... The old bloke's about 6'7". All right, so this makes sense. I should have gone into this article knowing how tall he was, but now I do. <laughs> Good for you, Jason. Good for you. All right. Let's see here. What else we got? Okay, early tester of Meta's Horizon, Horizon Worlds Metaverse app reveals her avatar was groped by a stranger, raising concerns about the safety of the virtual world. Huh? What? <laughs> did you just say that? Yeah, I did. I said that. Yeah, I was groped. An early tester of Meta's Horizon... I can't, I can't even speak. Horizon Worlds app has revealed her avatar was virtually groped by a stranger within the Metaverse. The incident acknowledged by Meta, the company formerly known formerly known as Facebook, took place during Horizon Worlds. Find a better name. That's so hard to say. Horizon Worlds. Beta testing was reported November 26. Horizon Worlds, released by uh, finally released by Meta on December 9, allows users in the U.S. and Canada 
to gather with others, play games, and build their own virtual worlds. It's an early step in Meta's ambition to transform into a metaverse, a collective virtual shared space featuring avatars of real people. But the recent incident has raised concerns about the safety of metaverse of the metaverse and suggests the virtual world has a groping problem already. Quote, sexual harassment is no joke on the regular internet, but being in VR adds another layer that makes the event more intense. <laughs> what? What? More intense than actual groping? We gotta read on. The unnamed beta tester posted, in, that's what they said, in the official Horizon group on Facebook as quoted the, by The Verge. Quote, not only was I groped last night, but there were other people there who supported this behavior, which made me feel isolated. End quote. The incident was acknowledged by the company, which changed its name from Facebook to Meta in October in line with CEO Mark Zuckerberg's new obsession with the metaverse. All right, call for what it is. He's obsessed. Quote, we want everyone in Horizon Worlds to have a positive experience with safety tools that are easy to find. It's never a user's fault if they don't use all the features we offer. End quote. Meta spokesperson Christina Mullane said, quote, we will continue to improve our UI and to better understand how people use our tools so that users are able to report things easily and reliably. Our goal is to make Horizon Worlds safe. And we are committed to doing that. All right. Meta's internal review of the incident claims that the victim should have used a safety tool called, quote, safe zone. Here's the problem. You don't even have safe zones within the meta world, the metaverse. What's going on here? This inbuilt tool activates a protective bubble that no one else can penetrate. By touching them, talking to them, or interacting with them in any way. But Catherine Cross, a researcher of online harassment at the University of Washington, great spot, has criticized this attitude to safety in the metaverse. Quote, generally speaking, when companies address online abuse, their solution is to outsource it to the user and say, quote, inside the quote, here, we give you the power to take care of yourselves, end quote. Quote, at the end of the day, the nature of the virtual reality spaces is such that it is designed to trick the user into thinking they are physically in a certain space, that their ever bodily action, that their every bodily action is occurring in a 3D environment. It's part of the reason why emotional reactions can be stronger in that space, and why VR triggers the same internal nervous system and psychological responses. While being groped in the virtual world is generally deemed less serious than in the physical world, the point is it's just another form of sexual harassment, according to another expert. I feel like the people who are actually in the metaverse right now are probably people seeking to be groped. Now that's not I'm now I'm not saying don't don't put words in my mouth. I'm just saying their personal lives in the real world are probably not that personal. Per or per, they're not that personable. Maybe I don't. I'm making I'm making a judgment calls here, but this is my this is fun. I get to do that. <laughs> uh, they're probably yeah they're probably not that uh, social. They probably don't. 
you know, they probably don't have a lot of friends that they interact with. I mean, I'm just assuming. You're in the metaverse already. This thing was just announced. I don't even have an Oculus. You know, I don't have any of the VR stuff. I, I know only one person who has it. That's it. You know what I mean? But, you know, it's kind of like the people that were like hackers back in the day with, with computers and like people that, that got on chat rooms back in the day in the 90s and early 2000s. It's like, those people weren't really that social. They didn't have that many friends. All I'm saying is, I bet there's a lot more groping going on than nobody wants to be reported. All right? That's what they're there for. So this person is, might need to chill out. <laughs> oh, my goodness. While being groped in the virtual world, okay, I think, quote, I think people <laughs> should keep in mind that sexual harassment has never had uh Never had to be a physical thing. It can be verbal, and yes, it can be a virtual experience as well. It's not the first time a user has been groped in VR. In 2016, a gamer by the name of Jordan Bellamere uh, described her experience of being virtually groped in Quiver, a VR game where players shoot zombies with arrows. Yeah, you do. In an open letter published on Medium, Bellamere describes another user's, quote, floating hand approaching her body before he started to virtually rub her chest. Quote, stop, I cried. This goaded him on, and even when I turned away from him, he chased me around, making grabbing and pinching motions near my chest. (laughs) (laughs) Emboldened, he even shoved his hand toward my virtual crotch and began rubbing. (laughs) This is is crazy. There I was, being virtually groped in a snowy fortress with my brother-in-law and husband watching. (laughs) It doesn't seem like they said anything. Aaron Stanton, the designer of Quiver, apologized and provided an in-game fix where users can push any offenders away using their virtual arms. A later review of the incident by University of Melbourne researchers said many online uh, responses to this incident were dismissive of Bellamere's experience and, at times, abusive and misogynistic. Quote, on the other hand, many responses emphasized with her experience and called on developers to take this kind of behavior seriously. At the same time, readers from all perspectives grappled with understanding this ad given the virtual and playful context it occurred in. Yes, quite, quite playful. Meta told Mail Online that Horizon Worlds launched the beta last year with safety features built in from the start. As well as Safe Zone, these features include the ability to block and mute people, the ability to report people or, or content, and user complaints, being able to include recordings of the incident captured by the Oculus headset. headset. Quote, we want Horizon Worlds to be a safe and respectful environment so everyone must follow our conduct and VR policy. End quote. Meta said on the day of Horizon Worlds release. You have several safety options, including access to your personal safe zone at any time through your wrist menu, which lets you take a break and then block mute or report people. Cool. All right. Well, I mean, groping's happening in the virtual world, and it sounds like it's quite traumatic. Even while your brother and husband, your brother-in-law and husband are watching, it's weird that she said she didn't say anything about what they did or didn't do. Just they were watching. <laughs> Can you believe it? The guy groped me when my husband and his brother were watching. 
I guess the reporter knew that they didn't do anything. <laughs> it didn't even ask. Like, well, what did your husband and his brother? Oh. Yeah, they were probably laughing. I mean, I'm probably just, they were probably laughing. I mean, what are they, they going to do? Fight the guy? What do you do? Fight a guy who's groping your girlfriend on Horizon Worlds? Come on. I want to see that. First virtual fight. That's what it's going to be. The first virtual fight in Horizon World is going to be due to groping another man's woman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not going to be good. We're going to have a fight on our hands. And I I don't know how you you meet up, I guess. That's what the real world... See, this is what it is. This is what it is. The metaverse is going to be great, and people are going to love it, and people are going to be obsessed with it, and then they're going to have a little bit of animosity toward another player, and they'll be like, you know what? Meet me outside, bitch. And, and, and they're going to meet somewhere, and they're going to try to fight each other. But the sad thing is they've been in the metaverse so long that their body's atrophied, and they've got little muscles, and they got this big head, and uh, the dick doesn't work. So I don't know what that has to do with fighting, but, you know, testosterone, I guess. <laughs> Dick's got to work to have, you got to have testosterone to have your dick work. So, yeah, there you go. And it's going to be a sloppy fight. So I'm always going to have a job. The metaverse is not, is not messing me up at all. I'm always going to be able to train people. Teach them how to fight, teach them how to build muscle, teach them how to control their bodies, keep their bodies in check so that they can like kill it in Bitcoin, NFTs, crypto, and the metaverse. I'm keeping the metaverse billionaires alive. One glute bridge at a time. We're going to go on to another article. Because I've had it with that one. I've bloody had it with that. Check this one out. The stereotype isn't true! Exclamation point. Rocket scientists and brain surgeons are no smarter than you are. Study claims. Oh, you better not tell uh, pro-vaxxers that. I think they... uh, they're of the mind that they think that scientists, uh, whatever scientists say is, you know, the gospel. You better not tell us that we're just as smart. Quote, it's not rocket science and, quote, it's not brain surgery. Our phrases regularly used to say that you do not think that something is very difficult to do or to understand. But a new study suggests that rocket science and brain surgery may not be so difficult after all. Researchers from UCL looked at the intelligence of rocket scientists and brain surgeons and compared these professions to the general public. Their findings indicate that, contrary to popular belief, aerospace engineers and neurosurgeons have similar levels of intelligence to the general population. Mm-hmm. Quote, It is possible that both neurosurgeons and aerospace engineers are unnecessarily placed on a pedestal. Oh, no shit! And that... It's a walk in the park, or another phrase related to careers, to those careers, might be more appropriate, the researchers wrote in the study. Other specialists might deserve to be on that pedestal, and future work should aim to determine the most deserving profession. 
yeah, let's figure out who the smartest person is so that we don't have to, you know, feel stupid. Or I guess we'll feel more dumb. I don't know. In their study, the team compared the intelligence of 329 aerospace engineers, 72 neurosurgeons, and 18,257 members of the general population. Participants completed an online test to measure distinct aspects of intelligence, including planning and reasoning, working memory, attention, and emotion processing. Other factors that may influence intelligence were taken into account, including gender. Oh, that affects intelligence? You better, hey, this, hey, don't tell anybody we read this, okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna men in black you. You just, I just wiped your memory. Other factors that may influence intelligence were taken into account, including gender, handedness, and experience in their specialty. The results revealed that aerospace engineers and neurosurgeons were equally matched across most aspects, although aerospace engineers were found to be better at mental manipulation aspects or abilities, and neurosurgeons were better at semantic problem solving. When the results were compared to the general public, aerospace engineers did not show significant differences in any aspects of intelligence. Neurosurgeons, meanwhile, were able to solve problems faster than the general public, but showed a slower memory recall speed. Overall, the findings suggest that the it's not rocket science and it's not brain surgery stereotypes do not ring true. Quote, despite these stereotypes in the higher proportion of males, aerospace engineers and neurosurgeons vary in their cognitive aptitudes, as does the general public. Oh, wow. Quote, our results highlight the further efforts required to hide, to widen access to these specialties to mitigate impending staff shortages and ensue ensure a diverse workplace to drive future innovation. Well, I've always known that. I mean, you know, look, here's the thing. A lot a lot of this is exposed in people, you know, with this pandemic is like people who are like who think that if a scientist says it on, if a, if a scientist says something, they're just like, or a doctor says something, they're just like, well, he's the smartest guy. He is the smartest guy. And it's like, if you really, like, I'm a trainer, and I deal with a lot of people's physical well-being, and that and that takes a, a multifaceted approach to really do. Um, just I mean, just to to approach someone's overall well-being. This is a lot of things. It's emotional, psychological, physical, and um, spiritual. Uh, that's just an aspect of, of you don't you might not be that way. You might not consider yourself that way, but that is an aspect that that people engage in, and uh, it it helps them in their overall life. Anyways. You're not gonna get the, you're not gonna get in anything spiritual from a doctor. You're barely gonna get anything uh, when it comes to nutrition from a doctor. Doctors don't they don't keep up with nutrition. They they barely went over nutrition in in doctorate school. Whatever they do, yeah, I mean I've, I've listened to to doctors talk about that. Doctor Peter Atia, he's a he's a well known doctor. He talks about uh, performance um, with uh, nutrition and physical exercise. And uh, he admitted that they do not do much, uh, much learning when it comes to nutrition. So just just on that factor, doctors are not you know up to date. Like your your regular doctor is not up to date with you know the best protocols for nutrition. 
And you got to think about this. Like when you're a doctor, you're working around the clock. You're working so much. You don't have time to keep up with with uh, new innovations and, and new discoveries in, um, in health all the time. You're not. You're just not. I went into a doctor's office, and I had shingles. Okay, I thought it was herpes outbreak. Because I got herpes in college, but I got herpes gladiatorum. Okay? Google it. Alright? It's a it's it's a it's a strand of herpes. But it's not sexually tra- it's not the sexually transmitted herpes, just like cold sores are not a sexually transmitted her- herpes, but it is herpes. It's a brain it's a it's a version of herpes. So anyways, I got the gladiatorum. Uh, herpes gladiatorum from wrestling in college. You get a lot of grapplers, a lot of MMA guys, wrestlers get it because of the mats and judo guys. They get it from the mats that they're training on. Okay, and you have it flare up when you get stressed or when you, you know, when your immune system's compromised or down. You know, so you have to uh, you have to keep Valtrex on you. Well, I didn't have any. I thought I had some herpes flare up. It was on my back, which is kind of gay. Um. But uh, that's how it goes. And uh, apparently it was shingles. Anyways, I asked my doctor, hey, what is this? It might be herpes gladiatorum because I had that in college. And, you know, I have a break, an outbreak every once in a while. He was like, what is that? I said, uh, it's a thing, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, it's not a thing. I was like, yeah, it is a thing. I've had it. A lot of people have it. And he's like, who told you that? I said, my athletic trainer in college. He's like, it's not true. It's not a thing. I'm like, dude. So, I know firsthand that uh, doctors don't know everything. um, And I don't need to be told that they're just regular people. But a lot of people really do look. And, and, you know, people, people, you see it a lot with people who are like, like pro-science. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't understand why you have to like make that a... A talking point. I'm pro science. If you've got an iPhone, you're pro science. You can't be walking around like, uh, I'm not pro science. Hey, mom. It's like, you know, it's almost like silly to even say you're pro science. But people who are like, quote unquote, pro science are always talking about how smart their sci- these scientists are, these doctors are. It makes them feel good. It makes them feel like, you know, these doctors have their back, you know, and, and they just have to believe what they say. And, and there's no there's no outside ulterior motives, uh, you know, making the research or the data uh, less true than it actually is. That would never happen. No, because these guys are the smartest people we have. They've dedicated their lives to science. I was listening to Leonardo DiCaprio. He was talking about scientists. I trust the scientists who have dedicated their lives to this, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, cool. All right, I'm glad that they've dedicated their lives to it, but, like, you know, everybody's got biases. So you, as a fully functioning human, should be able to not give up your, uh, your ability to reason just because someone has authority on something. You should look to their authority and be like, okay, all right, so what are you saying here? Okay, maybe what's the other opinion about this? Well, let's get them in here and let's have you guys talk and, and maybe I can you know, assess like what I think about it. You know, that's a smart way to go about it. 
But anyways, scientists and rocket science or <laughs> fucking rocket scientists and brain surgeons, not the smartest people. Yeah, that's great. Well, I mean, you think about it like those people. I'm not I'm not trying to be mean, but they were nerds in high school. They were nerds in in, in middle school, college. You know. Weren't that smart when it came to social stuff. But that's okay. Like you you know, like like Tony Robbins. You gonna listen to Tony Robbins about getting chicks or you know you probably listen to him way more than you would listen to a, a rocket scientist on picking up chicks. It's a different type of intelligence, but you're smart. Like people people who think uh this is one thing I, I didn't realize until I um I got like later into my in my twenties, especially when I moved out here, is I did not realize, and it took me longer than most, I did not realize that ninety nine point nine percent of people that you meet in life are assessing if they're smarter than you right off the bat. Right off the bat, they're like, This guy's an idiot. Or I'm so much I'm so I'm smarter than this person. I don't need to listen to anything they have to say. I've never in my life, I've never in my life looked at someone like that. And you should see how retarded my friends are. Like I make sure that I befriend the most retarded people. Like people get mad at saying that, but like I, I need to distinguish. You know why? Because I'm still going to treat you the same. Now, what would be dumb is if I had friends and they were, you know, they were retarded. And I was like, no, they're not retarded. No, they're just great people. Like, oh, no. No, he's a little, uh, yeah, a little retarded. But I love him just the same. He's a good guy. He's got a big heart. We get along, we laugh, you know, we play kickball together. You know, I mean, I don't know much how, how much other, how many other things we could do together, but that's what we do and we enjoy it. <laughs> oh my God. Next article. This is, this one's really going to piss me off. I'm going to go off on this. I really am. I mean, this is something that's just, this is irritable. This is irritating. All right, here's the article. Think twice before getting a French bulldog. Flat-faced breed is at higher risk of 20 common disorders and has such severe health problems that it can no longer be considered a typical dog. Vets warn. Uh-huh. No shit. French bulldogs face such severe health problems that the breed can no longer be considered as a typical dog from a medical perspective. I know some some human beings that, you know, you could probably assess as not the typical human and should be avoided at all costs. This is a stark warning and, per- and uh, stark warning of researcher- researchers. Why is this always in the way? Get out of the way. Jesus. Hold on. 
Just hold your horses here. I will get back to this article as soon as I can. When I can freaking read it. Why are there all these pop-ups on this freaking website? Okay. This is a stark warning of researchers from the Royal Veterinary College who analyzed the health records of 24,631 canines, including 2,781 French uh, bulldogs. They found that the flat-faced breed is a, a lot, a lot. Yeah, 20 common disorders. Okay. Including narrowed nostrils and obstructive airway syndrome. The findings, the team said, highlight the need to shift the breed towards more moderate characteristics to reduce the risk of breathing disorders. I guess you got to breed them differently. Quote, achieving meaningful changes to the typical look of French bulldogs over time requires buy-in from breeders and kennel clubs who publish breeding standards. But the biggest responsibility lies with owners who ultimately can demand dogs with more moderate features. Oh... All right, well, this is another, this is going to be another thing that you can protest about. I'm calling it right now. People are going to be protesting French bulldog owners because the cruelty of having a dog bred to be so fucked up. (laughs) The Kennel Club have recently updated the breed standard for the French bulldog to move further away from it elements of extreme conformation with evidence of health ill effects. This is a very positive step to prioritize the health of dogs over human desires for how these dogs look. And we must now continue this evolution of the breed towards a more moderate conformation. In their study, Dr. O'Neill and colleagues analyzed the medical histories as recorded by UK veterinary practices from 2016 onwards in the vet compass database of all these bulldogs Specifically, the researchers compared the rates of diagnosis of 43 specific disorders between free French bulldogs and other breeds. The team found that French bulldogs are at a significantly greater risk for 20 of the disorders studied. This included the narrowed nostrils that can cause breathing difficulties 40 times higher, 42 times higher, obstructive airway syndrome 31 times higher, ear discharge 14 times higher, skin fold dermatitis. 11 times higher, and difficulty giving birth 9 times higher. Quote, there is no doubting that many humans love the feeling of owning their specific or their special French bulldog, but sadly this study helps us to grasp the full extent of the serious health issues affecting these dogs. Especially in the lead up to Christmas, we should give dogs a special present by putting the needs of the dog before the desires of the human. Stop and think before buying a flat-faced dog. Well, you better not tell people in LA that, okay? No, no, no. That is one thing that they are not willing to give up on, okay? There's going to be a lot of protesting, and I feel like the conservatives can come out strong on this one, okay? Conservatives, not really big on French Bulldogs, I think. I don't think French Bulldogs are a conservative move. I think it's L.A. liberals. I see a lot of L.A. <laughs> LA people with French Bulldogs. I think this is more their thing. I could be, I could be absolutely wrong. It could be a, it could be a bipartisan effort. Um, but I do feel like one of the parties needs to capitalize on it. And from living in LA, it does seem like the conservative party should capitalize on this. Uh, this is funny. The team did note that a greater percentage of the French bulldogs in the study had been diagnosed with one or more disorders as compared to the other dog breeds at 63 versus 66%. 
This could indicate the French Bulldogs have slightly lower odds of being diagnosed with a disorder in general, they explained. Or it could be that owners are better at identifying health issues when they, when they arise in other breeds. Despite being at a much greater risk for 20 of the disorders, the team found French Bulldogs had lower odds than other dogs of developing 11 of the 43 common disorders investigated, including lameness, <laughs> obesity, and undesirable behavior. This, they said, highlights how the breed still has the potential to move towards a more healthier profile by selectively breeding out some of the high-risk physical features, like shorter muzzles and skin folds, that are associated with medical issues. The researchers cautioned that, as their findings are reliant on reports from veterinary practices, they do not indicate how long individual dogs suffer from given disorder nor factor in its severity. Furthermore, the fact that snoring in French Bulldogs can be indicative of a breathing disorder is often overlooked by dog owners, meaning that this condition may potentially be underrepresented in the study data, data set. So it might be, yeah, because people don't, they're like, ah, oh, yeah, he just snores. It's like part of it. He's a, it's a Frenchie. Quote, social media and celebrity influence have really propelled the popularity of French Bulldogs. That, see, but sadly, their cue features can mask a whole host of health issues which can require costly treatment. There's growing concern across the veterinary profession that many owners aren't aware of these problems when they decide to bring a Frenchie into the family. We'd always encourage prospective uh, owners to do a lot of research before taking on the pet, including con considering whether certain breeds and crossbreeds may be more prone to certain conditions or require health testing. Vets are happy to offer tailored advice ahead of buying or rescuing a dog so that people have peace of mind that they're getting a happy, healthy pet and know how to best cater to their needs. Yeah, this is not good for L.A. liberals at all. This is not good. This is like the number one dog out here. It's such a status symbol. It's such a status symbol. Like, think about that. Think of all the things that, like, are status symbols that we, we give value to just because we value them. Not because it's like... Like, let's let's be honest, dude. The French Bulldogs are ugly as fuck. They look like little demon dogs. That's what my mom calls them. Little demon dogs. She ain't far off. Pretty spot on. Snorting. <laughs> you just see that, like, you know, being turned into a cartoon where, you know, the mean guards of, like, a dog jail are just French Bulldogs. You can see that in a cartoon. All dogs go to heaven three or something like that. All the demon dogs are <laughs> demons in hell or French bulldogs. Yeah, this is not gonna this is not gonna fly well. And what are you gonna do? You gonna give up your dog? You know? I mean apparently these dogs don't live too long, I don't think. But uh I mean you spent these things are expensive too. You spend a lot of money on these things. And now this is another thing that you're not doing well. You know, somebody's going to virtue signal to you and be like, how dare you? How dare you own a French bulldog? Do you know how much this dog is suffering right now? And you don't give a fuck, do you? No, you don't. You just live in your 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 big house in the hills, in the Hollywood hills, and you wear your nice clothes, and you drive your Tesla. Yeah, you're just a piece of shit. Oh, and you're vegan. You think that matters? Oh, but you feed your French Bulldog vegan food. You sorry sack of shit. I could really see this being uh, a, something people protest. And I'm, you know what? I'll support you from the sidelines. That's all I'll say. 
All right, check this out. This is pretty cool. Billionaire launches new startup he hopes will reverse the aging process. Plans to develop new, new therapies to halt the decline of human cells. Wow, fascinating. Founder and billionaire behind Coinbase, an American cryptocurrency company, is now looking to cure aging and is using machine learning to do so. Brian Armstrong recently announced his new epigenetic reprogramming company called New Limit, which aims to make therapies that reverse the aging process. According to a press release, New Limit will start to deeply interrogate Start by deeply interrogating epigenetic drivers of aging and developing products that can regenerate tissues to treat specific patient populations. Armstrong plans to employ machine learning to determine what cell features change as we age in order to create therapies that could slow, halt, or reverse this process. However, New Limit is still in the concept stage, but Armstrong says that company's founders says the company's founders, which includes Stanford PhD Blake Byers, have committed a Committed $105 million to getting it off the ground. Well, that's a lot. I think you can do a lot with that. Quote, it is incredibly ambitious to try and cure aging, and we believe this mission could take decades to achieve, if it is achievable at all. But that is precisely the reason we feel the urgency to get started today, Armstrong and Byers shared in a press conference, press release. The key process to New Limit is uncovering how epigenetic drives aging which refers to changes that alter the physical structure of DNA. New Limit plans to initially focus on this mechanism, epigenetic epigenetic reprogramming, Armstrong and Byer shared in the release. Epigenetic drivers of aging are described as age-related changes in gene expression that harm the fundamental functions of cells and increase the risk of cancer and other age-related diseases. New Limit wants to reprogram these drivers to do the opposite. Quote, put simply, we want to figure out a way to restore the regenerative potential we all had when we were younger, but somehow lost. The company also plans to make sure its therapies are accessible to all. But notes, it can take decades for its products to reach costs that are affordable to the average person. Well, of course. Of course. course. Armstrong is not the only billionaire dipping his toes into the anti-aging world. Why is this ad in the freaking way? In the anti-aging market. Aging market. As Jeff Bezos and Russia Israeli entrepreneur Yuri Milner funded a startup biotechnology firm in September that aims to find a way to reverse aging. Altos Labs was incorporated in the US and UK early this year and has raised at least $270 million to look into the potential of cell reprogramming technology to turn back the clock in animals and potentially humans. Altos Labs plans to do so through biological reprogramming, a technical de- a technique discovered in 2006 by scientist Shimye Yamanaka, who serves on the company's board. Yamanaka showed that after adding f- just four proteins, now known as Yamanaka factors, cells can be made to become any cell in the body. And this was put to the test in 2016 when Spanish biochemist Juan Carlos Damante, who is also joining Alto's labs, saw the technique reduce cellular and, psycho- and physiological signs of aging in living mice and extend their lifespan by an average of six weeks. Very interesting. Well, see, this is what this is what tech billionaires should be doing. 
right? Real stuff that actually matters. You know, like you hear, like a lot of people get mad at Jeff Bezos and 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 Elon for going to the moon or, or, or trying to go to Mars or trying to, you know, get into space. And I was like, why is that a bad thing? Like you're, you're like liberals out, I, it's so hilarious to me. Liberals out here who I know hate Elon Musk, okay? Now follow me. They hate Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos for trying to go to the moon, okay? Maybe, might be for other things, but they, they downplay what they're doing when, they go, when they're trying to go to the moon or when they're trying to go to Mars or trying to get into space, all right? They downplay uh, what it could do for, for mankind. Yet, they upplay the potential, the potential uh, catastrophic situation of climate change. Okay? But, if you really, if you, if you went with the understanding of how, a, how the, life, the lifetime, the lifespan of a star, then you would understand that the sun is eventually going to uh, die out, right? Which is going to end all life on Earth. So don't you think we need to learn how to go to space? To find another habitable planet? Like it's, so, it's so interesting to me. All about climate change. We're all going to die. If we don't stop, you know, throwing plastic cans into the ocean and driving fossil fuel cars. But Elon and Bezos trying to go to space. Oh, yeah, because they got little dicks, huh? That's that's what it is. They got small dicks and they're trying to go to space to prove something to somebody. Dude, don't you know that the sun's going to fucking die? It's going to die out. You should be on Team Bezos right now. You should be on Team Elon Musk for trying to go to space. What's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come here. I slap you in the face. Anyways, this is this is what you should be doing if you're a billionaire. I think about all the billionaires that exist out there, and there's a lot of them. Let's see how many billionaires there are. How many billionaires are in the world? Wow. Okay. According to Forbes, 2021 list of billionaires, there are 2,755 billionaires. And you can probably only name three. Maybe. Maybe you could you could name three. Isn't that crazy? More billionaires should be doing programs like this. You know? More health trying trying to you know do good things expand life right this should be happening way more anyways next article okay that is not a nice article okay so this this is interesting i saw this and I was like, all right, this is going to be fun to play with. And my voice is, feels like it's going out. Oh, that's so much better. That was lubricating. 
Oh, I just took a drink of water. Okay, next article here. Three women who beat up a police officer after downing gin, wine, and cocktails in Cheshire are branded a rabbled mob by, magist- by magistrates, but spared jail. Gotta, gotta hear about this uh, three-woman band here. Three-woman gang. That's what, the, that's what it is. Three women who beat... Yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Bethany Bennett, 24. Courtney Hardy, 25. Najiri Swanston, 24. And Miley Curry, Curly, 21. Were arrested after a policewoman was grabbed by the hair and pulled to the floor. Oh, a policewoman. Uh, okay, now it all makes sense. Oh, okay, I thought this was a policeman. It's a police officer. And I was like, was that a dude? Okay, all right. Were arrested after a policewoman was grabbed by the hair and pulled to the floor before being repeatedly struck over the head and body. The policewoman, known only as Constable Dows, had been called out to a group of men. Hold on. The policewoman had been called out to a group of men had been fighting outside that had been fighting outside the Revolution Bar in Winslow at 3:15 a.m. on July the 31st, but she was jostled and attacked by three of the drunk women as she told them to go home. Swanston slapped a, a second police officer on the shin after he asked to her move on. This is a horribly written article. On the shin, after he asked her to move on when he found her sat on a grass verge. Can, can someone type this correctly? Jeez. The policewoman suffered bruising to her hip, thigh, knee, and back. There were also a, a small amount of swelling to her forehead. There was also swelling to her forehead and a bruise to the left eye. Damn. She left dizzy and nausea and nauseous due to the number of times she was struck while us on the floor. While us on the floor. At Stockport Magistrates Court, school worker Bennett, hairdresser Swanston, and Baker Curley admitted assault on on police but walked free. <laughs> this this does sound like a comedy, to be honest. Like the beginning of a uh, like the beginning of a, a superhero group. Wow. Trainee nurse Hardy admitted obstructing a police officer in the course of their duty. Swanson was fined 300 euro and ordered to pay 111 euro in costs, and Curly was fined 200 with 117 in costs. Blah, blah, blah. They were all, yeah, they all had to pay something. Hardy was conditionally discharged for 18 months and told to pay 107 euro in costs. In a statement, PC Dow said, I have never had an assault like this before, and at first, I did not want to return to work after the incident. Yes, of course you didn't. You're a police officer, and they disrespected you so much that they whooped your ass. That's horrible. What has this, what's the world, I mean, I, you know, like what's the world come to when you're beating up police women? When women are beating up other police women, what's going on? The effects have since left me feeling low 
and I am emotionally broken. The situation I was in continued to shock me as I was physically attacked. Right. I am a new mother. My priorities have changed since returning to work, and I feel vulnerable in my role so much so I do not feel I can perform my duties completely. I was a young child. I have a young child, and he has noticed my bruising on my legs. My child does not understand the nature of them. I do not want my children to see me being emotional. My day-to-day quality of life has deteriorated significantly. Bennett was a former pupil of the 14000 a year Alderley Edge School for Girls, and Hardy lives a few doors from her in Wimslow. Both Swanson and Curley are from Hanworth. The incident occurred in an affluent neighborhood popular among footballers after the women had been drinking gin, wine, cocktails during a drunken night out to celebrate the end of lockdown. Prosecutor Peter Conroy said, DC Dows, or PC Dows, describes how she felt her hair was going to be ripped from her scalp and how she suffered an intense burning sensation. She was then struck in the face and fell to the floor. She said she was on the floor and was struck over and over again, and she sustained bruising. She sustained bruising as a result. Bennett is the most culpable as she deliberately grabbed her by the hair and pulled her to the floor, but we cannot be sure if it was Bennett who actually struck the officer. Miss Waston was seen trying to intervene to prevent friends, friends from being dealt with by the police. She is seen to be shouting and swearing towards police officers. A PC Wood was struck on the leg by her hand, but she suffered no injuries. Miss Curley was also trying to intervene, intervene to prevent her friends from being dealt with. She was abusive towards PC Dows, acting in an aggressive manner, manner and pushed an officer away. Miss Hardy is the least culpable and can only be seen trying to intervene. She is being obstructive, but not to the same extent as the others. In mitigation, Bennett was described as a wallflower and a single mother to a child aged three. Hardy is hopeful of retaining her job as she is currently training to become a nurse. Sentencing them, Neil Brettel said, All of you have been described as intelligent and caring members of society, yet on this night in question, after consuming alcohol, you turned into a rabbled mob. Instead of doing what was asked of you, which was to walk away and allow the police to do their job to keep control of the situation, you all became part of the problem. End of article. (laughs) Oh, it's crazy. These women beat the shit out of a female police officer. Yeah, of course you don't feel like you can go back to work. I mean, that's that's the worst. The worst is to be a police officer and to lose a fight. You know, like you ever see those those article those videos where people like police officers are like running and they've got their belt is too full of stuff to even run. You know, and then they, you know, they fall down and they can't catch the person running away. Like, I, like, we got to do something about the belt. The belt, that's the worst. That's honestly the worst way to carry anything. You don't see, no, you don't, 
That's just awful. Like you, you can't run with something on, on your belt. Like it needs that needs to be all strapped to your chest or behind. Hey, baby, my dog's here. It's got to be all strapped up top. You, you can't be running with you know all that stuff around you. you. Got you got a gun, you got a taser, you got mace, you got handcuffs. You probably got a few other things on there. It seems like you got everything. It seems like you're you're going out to you know hike the Appalachian Trail. And not come back for six months. You got so much on you. Looks like you got a water bottle on you too. It's just like, yeah, I would get my ass beat too if I was a cop. Trying to maneuver with a, a utility belt. Bigger than what Batman uses. Nah, not for me. I'd rather fight without the belt. I would, <laughs> the moment somebody would come at me, I'd un- unlock the belt. Drop it. And then go from there. I throw it to my other police officer, you know, my partner. They hold this belt. Oh, I'm a, or I would just beat that person with the belt. There's so much on there. Boom, just beat somebody with it. Gun discharges, shoot somebody. That's probably why I'm not a cop. Anyways, all right, so that's um, that's it. That's it for the podcast. Um, this is a fun one. This was uh, interesting stuff. Interesting stuff's going on in the world, and... Uh, and I just want to be the guy to uh, to give you the information. <laughs> All right. The fucking cubs, dude.